I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb-Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar, and before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to share with you some announcements and a couple of requests. Uh, about the womb-centered healing temple and this podcast so this winter this fall actually we've began and this winter we're continuing the biomystical womb healing apprenticeship it was it started out as a nine-month apprenticeship and it's been expanded to a 13-month apprenticeship as all of the apprentices wanted to really deepen into the work and the process at hand. Um, if you want to learn more about what's going on in our biomystical womb apprenticeship, this is the first round of the apprenticeship. You can go to the website wombcenteredhealing.com and look at the biomystical womb apprenticeship page and learn more about it. We're still accepting participants to join us, even though it's a little late to the party you can at least join us now and um, dive into the process the womb the biomystical womb healing process also I welcome you to share that page when you're visiting the biomystical womb apprenticeship page share it with those of you with friends or acquaintances or whomever you feel might be interested in this process. Another thing I would like to announce is that I've started the Womb-Centered Healing Temple blog. So if you love listening to these um, audio podcasts, you might also really love reading the blog. So you can find the blog at wombcenteredhealing.com and I invite you to comment on the blog, let me know how you like it, and share the blog as well. And I also invite you to share this um, podcast with your people that you know that might be interested in listening to the podcast. And you can favorite it or 
subscribe to it wherever you're accessing it. And if you're accessing it on Anchor, you can actually make a financial, monthly financial contribution to subscribe to it as well. So I encourage you to look into those options and support what we're doing here in the womb-centered healing temple in any way that you can. Um, The more supporters we have, the more of a collaborative, co-creative process it becomes. So I really appreciate your support. All right. Thanks a lot. Hello, and welcome to the Womb-Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Salma Morningstar, and I have Denicia here with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Denicia. I've been um, enjoying the company of Denicia on various podcast interviews, uh, both her podcast and my podcast, and various summit online summits, both her summits and my summits. <laughs> For a couple of years now, we've been going back and forth with interviews, and it's just a delight to to talk with you. Um, Denicia is a, well, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I can never fig- remember the exact name of your, <laughs> your, I know you're an acupuncturist, but with a specialty in um, fertility and, and, and re- reproductive health, but I know there's a special way that you say it. So I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and um, let us know who you are, what you're passionate about in your work and the topic we're discussing today is um, why women are bleeding too much there's a lot of women out there and I've had lots of conversations with women in my capacity as a vaginal steam facilitator uh, where we really look at the menstrual cycle of each person and see what's going on for them and how we can support it coming into balance and looking at what the menstrual cycle is telling us about any underlying health imbalances. And I know this is a big part of the work that you do to, to take the menstrual cycle as a vital sign of how uh, the overall health of a person is. And so I'm curious to hear what you have explored and the wisdom that you've gleaned from your study and experience working with your clients about what it means when women are bleeding too much. Yeah. So thanks for having me again, of course. (laughs) It's always fun when we get together. It is. It is. (laughs) Like, oh, yes, we go back and forth. It's awesome. Uh, So right now, um, I've, like, transitioned into really adopting into um, integrative healing and what integrated healing really means as far as actually helping and facilitating this alignment of the spirit, mind, and body, and for oneself, but then also for the whole, because there is an impact there, right? And my background, um, as you were telling people, is important to me in the sense that, yes, that was like my stepping stone into coming into this place where I was in there focusing on menstrual health and fertility health. And then from that perspective, it's really seeing where um, I was limiting, um, others were limiting themselves into really just saying, well, I just want this healthier period. Or I just want um, to have this healthy baby and healthy pregnancy. 
And then at the same time, I felt like there were some things that were just missing and Mm. you and I would talk about those. Um, and then it's just that now I'm like, you know what, we're going to go all in. And this is, this is what we're, this is what I'm seeing. Right. Mm -hmm. So where now it's like menstrual health and fertility health, like it is, those are actually just manifestations of greater issues. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where, when you're coming into this, into the integrated healing playground is what I'm calling it, because we take this stuff so seriously that people literally don't enjoy their lives anymore. And they mm-hmm. don't really understand that this is a, a healing journey. It's not really a destination. Mm-hmm. And so to really call yourself to being present into what you're experiencing right now. And in this case, it might be heavy bleeding. So in this place of integrated healing, what can you, what are you seeing? Become this two-year-old and be curious about what's happening. Ask these questions of why is this even happening and really being open to exploring what that means. So like, is it something that you have experienced personally? Is it really your perspective on things? Is it, where is it that things might need to shift in your life and really applying that where you have to come to see that what you're experiencing physically and what you're experiencing mentally and what you're experiencing emotionally are all messages coming in from your spirit is just calling your attention. And so you're really going in there saying like, all right, so what is it? What, what is it about this? Am I to learn from this experience? You know, this is so powerful, uh, Denise, and, and I love how you articulate it. And what it really brings up is uh, the need for us to shift from what many of us were taught in this world that as far as your physical health is concerned, you relegate all responsibility and Uh, knowledge about that to the doctor Mm -hmm. you don't get curious about it you don't ask questions you just take their word for it and do what they tell you to do that's what a lot of people were taught how to do and there's a culture in the medical field that that the patient trying to heal themselves is dangerous yeah you know that the doctor that it's not even possible right and that the doctor needs to assert that they know better than you do about your health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, that may be true in that they might have some, uh, you know, they might have some knowledge uh, from study and from experience about whatever ailment you have, but it's incomplete. Yeah, They don't have all the knowledge that's available out there. And so relegating that to a doctor is like you know disempowering it's disempowering and the fact is we have as people we have a huge amount of a huge resource of information about our health that we've been taught to disconnect from which is the sensations and feelings in our own bodies and our own intuitive sense of what's going on i mean i've you know, when you start to get into intuitive self-healing, holistic self-healing practices, and you start hearing practitioners that really support that, you start hearing their stories about that, you start, you know, reading books and listening to people talk about 
people who get information about their cancer in their dreams before it even shows up in the doctor's tests. And because they insist on the doctors testing again and testing again, they catch it way early before it's ever even a big problem. And then it's not an issue because they dreamt about it long before the doctors would even ever, or if they would even feel a lump. Yeah. Right. And, and, so, and that's like, like that, I was actually just speaking with a company the other day um, because we were, we were talking about like labs and I was telling her, I said, look, the, the culture around labs needs to change. And the, because as it stands, people will literally limit their own healing capacity because a lab doesn't, isn't there or a lab hasn't even shown it. Mm -hmm. And so now t in my perception the culture needs to shift and it can happen from from us as being patients and then it can also happen with healthcare providers mm -hmm. so even then um they have come to rely on the lab test to even determine certain things and so like when you how that affects you and your whole healing journey. This is why I'm, I impress, like, I impress to really take a look at who's involved because, you, you know, people hear that birds of a feather flock together, but they don't really think about it in other relationships than friends, right? Because you have all of these different relationships and that includes who's in your, who's on your healing team, right? And the thing is, is that even in your healing team, you're the leader. So you have to understand that you're a leader and with leaders in other leadership capacities, they do employ intuition. They may not be open about it, but <laughs> you know, like some of them are very open, but others are not, but they, 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 they do employ their own intuition. They do actually, um, they're grounded and they're centered in their, in their own. They see a vision and it's for the greater good, right? Um, and then they fill in the gaps. They fill in the, with the people that can help move them towards that vision. Right. And so therefore you adopt that in your own, right? In your own space and in your own regard, because then when you do that and you meet someone that is just like, no, it, it, this is the way I see it. This is how it's going to be. Um, they, and then practitioners that don't realize how much they speak either illness or health into people, you know, so it's, it's very, it's very subtle languaging, but it's very important languaging that has huge vibrational effects and in huge magnitude because you have, it, there's not an honor to me anymore of what that relationship is and between a patient and practitioner or a client and practitioner. And so like, when you're going into that and you, when you honor that, you honor that, like you might come in with insight and, and this is what happens with me. Like, right. So like I might have insight on something and I'm going, I'll express it at the same time though. I'm honoring that this is their process because guess what happens? They may or may not want to hear what I have to say, 
They may or may not want to do what I am suggesting and that's okay. But during the whole time, I'm actually asking throughout the process, like, how does that feel to you? How does that resonate with you? Because that's, that's a part of being involved, right? So that's a part of being involved in your own process and being, taking the active role. And so you're talking about how you relate to your clients. At first, I thought you were talking about how you relate to a practitioner that's going to help you with your health, because I'm sure you have those it's two. It's both. It's both. So, so we're looking at a relationship of partnership instead of a relationship of dominance, where the doctor has a dominant amount of information and authority and dominates our health. And instead, we're looking at cultivating a partnership relationship so that the practitioner, whether it's me being the practitioner or you being the practitioner or whomever, and the client or patient are equal partners on a healing journey together. That one's opinion or intuition or information is no more valid than the other's intuition, opinion, or into our information and that both are responsible you know my my feeling my experience with many medical doctors is that they can't with all their workload and the way that that medical doctors are are treated in the medical industry as far as how much they're expected to work and how much they're given time to rest and like that it's ridiculous it's not humane Right. I mean, the fact, the way medical school is run to begin with is not humane. It makes people, you know, the, the, the long, long hours being on call for 24 hours on it. There's no need for that. You could be on call for so, eight hours. So then imagine that's also a reason why they are completely, they don't address. Let me put it like this. That explains why they don't address those lifestyle issues as yes. they see their patients because, because they themselves, it's their norm that you just go and you do. But then that same lifestyle, same beliefs into that's how you run your life is what is playing a role into what is presenting itself physically, mentally, and emotionally, right? Yeah, and they don't then, have the bandwidth. They don't have the energy, the extra energy to then go and do extra research about a case that, you know, about their client's situation and to even keep up with the most modern, uh, you know, the most recent research. There's research going on all the time that's updating. And so most medical doctors, whenever they graduated from from medical school and finish their whatever internship or they haven't done any research into anything since then and most of the time what they're offering uh, uh, as remedies is it, most of the time it's not really based on research it's based on drug companies propaganda and perks now i'm speaking from experience of my dad going through medical school and being a resident at the hospital and he got like free product from drug companies all the time and you know promotional things and they were constantly coming in and giving propaganda sales pitches to the doctors about why they should be prescribing this drug and the more drugs they would prescribe you know they would get these perks from the drug companies right And, and so that's where a lot of this, you know, oh, you just give people drugs is coming from instead of really doing the research and saying, 
what is actually working, what actually helps people. They don't have time for that. They're just, okay, these drugs are giving them to us. These are what we have available. These are the hospital policies. And it's very much in the United States, a profit-oriented business. Hospitals and you know medical facilities, it's profit-oriented. I could go on about that for quite some time. But the truth is, we as uh, patients, we may need the particular labs or testing or diagnosis that a medical doctor gives us, but we need to retain our autonomy and our um, authority, our own inner authority, and do our own research. Yeah. Feel and and don't listen to any doctor that's discouraging you from doing your own research. Yeah, because the, those are the patients that are considered to be a pain in the behind. Are the ones who come in. There's a term for it. There's a, a <laughs> doctor Google, and some do, some doctors will even tell you, "Oh, you've been seeing Doctor Google, haven't you?" They'll like totally. If you've been doing your own research. And you come in and you talk about it with a doctor. Some doctors will uh, invalidate your research by making disparaging remarks to that effect. And I say, if that's happened to you, don't go back to that doctor. But the thing is, if we have certain insurance or whatever, then we're trapped into, we're locked into seeing certain doctors, you know, and it's just a mess. It's just a real mess. So I say, find a good holistic healing practitioner <laughs> like Denisia, or, you know, a naturopath in your area or someone else that, um, that can help you navigate all of these things and, you know, listen to my well, well, I, I think it's all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's. I I feel like it boils down to that team that I was talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And so, when you would have already done your inner assessment and like inner inventory, right? And then you start to identify like this is actually the life that I'd like to be living. This is what I'd like to be experiencing, right? Take take away like any, um, any symptoms that you might have, any disease that you might have, you take away any of that, but then you, you really just go and you focus and you're just like, what do I actually want to be experiencing? How do I even want to feel in this experience? Right. And then from that perspective, like the tools and the people will present itself. This is, this is why I, I mm. keep reiterating. I'll reiterate like, you know, um, well, I'm coming in for acupuncture. Why? Why? Or I want herbs. For what? Like, and I always, because if you come in tool first, mm. to me, that's already a sign of disempowerment. Mm. Because that means then that you are now relying and you have given authority to the tool for your healing. Mm. So when you are really empowered, empowered meaning inward, you have inner authority mm -hmm. and then you are grounded in that and you're able to visualize and be clear on wh what it is that you're doing, what you're looking for and what you'd like to actually experience. Imagining and seeing like your spirit, mind and body are in alignment. Then what's happening, the appropriate tool to help you to experience that will present itself. This is so poignant and I feel like what you're talking about and what your words are painting, painting a picture of is drawing our 
power inward and containing it within us okay and we've been taught so often to give our power outward to some other authority some tool whatever it is acupuncture is going to fix me whatever it is and what you're saying and i and i can imagine the conversations you have with your clients and patients like (laughs) just reel reel it back in and find and ask that question why do i need acupuncture what's really going on what is my inner authority telling me and it seems like that direction of drawing our energy in and residing in our core center wisdom is the exact essential remedy for bleeding too much because what is that bleeding too much uh but this flowing out of our core strength our blood Mm -hmm. and our core vitality uh in inappropriate ways where it's not being held and it's not uh, we're not receiving the nourishment that you know that we're meant to be having uh, because it's flowing out, and that's that same kind of flowing out of our pa- power as we give it to others to tell us what we're supposed to do. And so that energetic um, mirroring that mm-hmm. especially the womb can do, of you know, if it's not able to retain that core vitality and is just bleeding out too much. What is that telling us? And this line of inquiry is really important. Now, I'm not, I'm not meaning to say that everyone, every person, every woman who's bleeding too much, you know, is, is also putting their energy out to external authority or their power out to external authority. But there may be some other version of that. Like yeah. uh, what I wrote about is that one of the trauma responses that's so common in this day and age is that, um, we do, uh, you know, there's fight, flight, freeze, and then fawn, fawning mm-hmm. on the abuser or everyone when we're under chronic trauma, I feel is a big way that women particularly learn how to cope with a society that does not honor and uphold, uplift and nourish women. Mm-hmm. And so in order to get that nourishment, to get that honor, to get that recognition somehow, to get that gratitude, to get that nourishment, we fawn, we give more and more and more. And maybe one day someone will recognize me, someone will give back to me. Which is actually still disempowering. Exactly. And like that is where um, when you come to the realization that ultimately you're seeking validation and it comes in different masks. It comes in, Oh, I want a seat at the table or, Oh, well, I'm fighting for women being represented in Congress or I want to be at that same in that same conference room with so-and-so over there. That's actually, those are all different forms of disempowerment because you're taking action for validation and approval of someone else versus when you when it's turned around and it's coming from an empowering perspective you realize that if you're moving from your core and in your purpose wouldn't matter 
And then what happens is that environment, you create that environment around you. So then you're going to now exude that. Now, this is, and this is where it gets very, um, it's like you almost have to travel it with finesse because you have, um, because it's, you're going to create this environment to always be mindful of that environment that you're creating. And when I say that you're creating the environment, it could be literally you taking the lead and putting, bringing people around you and you're making that, you're creating a group right? Or it could even be, well, this is where my mindset is. And so therefore I'm going to now be around these others. Like I have created now my tribe. And this is what's made it a little bit scary for me when that became popular of find your tribe and, and, and all of that. What made me nervous about it was because then that was just another cord into distraction and disempowerment. Because you, people don't understand that when you buy into that, you're actually buying into a culture. So therefore, if your culture that's around you that you're buying into is just different masks, the people that are around you are just mirrors. They're masks. They're invitations for you to go inward and assess why it is that that person and what experience you have with them is there. That's giving you clues as to your own spirit, right? So if you are buying into all of this, all of this stuff about whatever it is that may come up when it comes to your care, whether it's women being treated a certain way, always ask whatever action you take, where is that coming from? Am I making this choice out of fear that I won't be heard? If so, then that's a whole different other energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, then I'm just going to go, and this is how I feel. This is what I'm going to express. And this is how I'm expressing it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Despite who agrees with me or doesn't agree with me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of the, when you're talking about reproductive health issues, that's that's tied into as well, like, of, and this is where I love Carolyn Meese and the interpretation there, especially when it comes to, energy centers because it, it is there it's there it's what is that you're buying into tribally where it is that you were not given that space to to come into some individualization of yourself and so in the case of women if you're talking about you're bleeding out and you're outpouring and all of that if that's what's happening really ask yourself why are you doing that and what ways is it that your tribes that are around you are saying, this is what you need to do. Where is it that you and your own um, path of trying to come into your own, into your own autonomy, into embracing your path, right? Where is it that you're feeling conflicted even then? Because you're wanting to do that, but then you're allowing your your various tribes and various groups to dictate what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And so in one way, you have to accept responsibility in that because when you're, when you start to really come inward, as we're talking about, literally take going inward, you have to take responsibility. You're ultimately saying, all right, I am now aware of this. And so now what am I going to do about it? And some people might say, I just don't have the energy. And it, it might be so because they are so tired 
from whatever it is. And I'll tell you in a way that's awesome because you're so tired that when you just let go, then you finally are allowing God and universe to step in. Mm -hmm. And then that's when major shifts can happen because you're not blocking it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's like, like when you, and that, and that's also kind of why, like, I, um, I, I didn't quickly, but I usually don't quickly grab onto trendy things anyway. Um, <laughs> cause I'm always questioning, like, what's this about really? But I mean, like the whole self-care, self-love thing, right? My, my thing with that, and then I ask people to, to ask themselves this because when they're talking, they, they talk about this. Like it's, it's self-care Sunday. And I'm kind of like, why isn't it self-care every day? Number one. Um, but then two, if you feel like you have to go and like announce this, if you feel like I'm taking part of this, this is my self-care and all of, uh, all of that, then in a way you subtly still have power outside of you. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you're not doing it from, a, from an empowering, I'm going to grow and develop from inside. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, I, I just want to bring up something that, uh, a thread that I'm feeling woven into everything that you're saying. And it's something that I really try to pay attention to when talking about this. And that is that we can look at it in the sense of saying, okay, if you're doing this, then you're still disempowered. And if you're fully empowered, then you won't be doing that at all. But the truth is getting from being disempowered to empowered, there's a journey in between. And so having, having this conversation is useful in that we can inquire and say, okay, if I'm doing self-care Sunday, where is that thread of disempowerment and putting my power outside of myself? And how can I reel that in and have a fully inner empowered self-care experience? And there, and it may be, you know, a greater and greater percentage is inner empowered. Mm-hmm. You're still doing self-care Sunday for a period of time, right? And that, that, that it's that pretty soon we don't need that crutch of leaning on someone else. And I know that's been the case for me of, you know, having teachers and practitioners for a long time that I look to for that outer authority on my journey to having my own inner authority and that um, they supported me more or less mm-hmm. to reclaim that inner authority in various ways. And, and that it was my responsibility all along the way of 25, 30 years of inquiring and questioning just like you're talking about and saying is this really empowering me what i'm doing my attitude my approach is it really empowering me what they're doing their attitude the people i'm in relationship with what's empowering what's not how am i moving from being disempowered not having my own inner sense of sovereignty to being fully sovereign and having my own being resting in my in my central core and there's always layers of that that that, you know I mean I'm gonna be 50 this year and I am still uncovering layers of you know more and more subtle realms where I thought it was standing on an empowered foundation and then lo and behold 
there's something that is not that that foundation that I was standing on, right? That I was resting on, and now I have to like, okay, we're gonna dig that up and uproot that. And so it's it's a really a lifelong journey. And so I just wanted to bring that into the conversation so that listeners who might be like, oh, wow, so I'm still doing self-care Keller Sunday, and I thought that was really empowering me, but now I'm hearing that I'm not empowered at all, and that can be very disheartening. And so, but I want to acknowledge yeah. those, those are really, if you, if you came from a place of not having any self-care at all, and you started doing self-care Sunday, and it, you you were in a place and and that became something that then could become eventually an inner practice it could be a step along the way yes so and i appreciate you definitely bringing bringing that up um and definitely not in any way was i saying don't do your self care sunday yeah. it's it's more of me questioning or asking you to question yourself as far yeah. as what is your intention behind it? Mm -hmm. Is it to be involved in a, another hashtag or is it really in a place? And the thing is, is that if that is what caught your attention, then yes, that is a part that you needed to experience, mm -hmm. right? In order to make that transition into, so like, I totally get it. And it's actually through those, I see it as through those experiences that, when you realize that that was actually, it, it's to me, I just look at them as literally experiences. Is that something that was empowering? If I'm feeling this way about this, something there is, there's, I'm feeling it in my body, something's not right. So then in what way is this actually hindering me? Is this helping me? Like, and that's when you start to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And then you start learning from that, but it, but you do honor that experience. Mm -hmm. And I thank the people that were able to bring that experience to me. Mm -hmm. And it is, like I said that in the beginning, like this is a whole journey. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when people are like, it's like I'm inviting people to shift their perspective and what they consider healthy mm -hmm. because that's a big thing right now, right? Like there, there's a lot of, a lot of overarching issues that are going on and not just in the States, but globally. And I feel like, a, I feel like a big part of that is because people consider this healthy thing being in like, they just, I mean, what are the, what are some of the things that you see um, even in commercials, it's like somebody running towards this finish line and they're like, yes, it is insinuated that it is a finish line for you to be healthy. Mm -hmm. That creates such stress and turmoil mm -hmm. because now, and that's where you got a question, like what is healthy mm -hmm. for you? Like my interpretation of, of healing is actually being able to walk in your life and experience what happens and to actually be able to learn from that and shift from it and grow from it. What is in essence resiliency to continue? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's my interpretation of healing. That means that this is a journey that for right now, 
you might experience high blood pressure. You might experience heavy bleeding, right? That doesn't, just because the heavy bleeding stopped, you guaranteed you're probably going to find something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right. Especially if you just used the hormonal birth control to cover up the heavy bleeding, right? <laughs> yeah. Later on, then you're going to be at higher risk for breast cancer and things like that. Um, Potentially, so but it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Perhaps blood birth control is a valid option for some, but it doesn't have to be. Now, I know this was a thing for you. Um, have you found, discovered how birth control can be re relatively healthy and not a higher risk factor for breast, um, breast cancer? I mean, it's not, I feel like with with any of those and any other drugs too, like this is the position I'm at right now, is that they serve a purpose, right? It's once again, when you become reliant on it, that makes me question mm. and, and ask you to question. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're using the, say you use the hormonal birth control for the heavy bleeding, I still question like why the heavy bleeding is there in the first place and that, that the hormonal birth control is potentially just covering up what the other issues are. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not to say that it didn't work. It worked on one thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then going in there, understanding like, well, this kind of potentially opened doors for these other things. Right. And so like, things play a role. So yes, statistically are in, in studies, are they saying that, oh, there's birth control use, history of use leading into um, like those who may have had breast cancer. Could be hormonal birth control. It could be other forms of hormones as well that play a role. Because I believe that the and really what tied it all together was more of, I'm going to apply this Band-Aid to, so I can survive through my life. And if you look at the mental, emotional, and spiritual components of breast cancer, there is a sense of over-nurturing. Mm -hmm. There is a sense of still you not, um, potentially not actually exhibiting and manifesting and expressing your true self. So therefore you're still masking it and creating internal stagnation that internal stagnation prior to birth control use was showing up in menstrual issues, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, that issue wasn't really resolved or worked mm -hmm. on. And so therefore it just stayed and it just kind of transformed and transformed. And so now you're seeing it as breast cancer. You just so happened to have used birth control. I see. So it's really the energetics of the issue that are causing the like the emotional components that that are causing the the heavy bleeding or the other menstrual issues that then translate into other health issues like if they're not addressed if you're not having some kind of um self-reflection meditation overall holistic healing practice and somebody who is doing that could take birth control pills, resolve the other issues, and perhaps even get off the birth control and then the heavy bleeding is gone or even stay on the birth control. And because those other energetic issues have been resolved, um, 
it doesn't turn into breast cancer. And, and paradoxically, you have those people that are like, well, this, they just, they ate well and they exercised and they still had, they still got cancer. Mm -hmm. Right. So then you have those, you have those people. Cause that's, that's, those are those that would uh, question that, that type of lifestyle. Like, well, the thing is, is that it's still strong. Once again, it goes back to what was that person really like? What and was then, their energetic? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then at the same time, like, who knows that even in their own life journey, to experience that was a part of their journey well, and that they needed to learn it. Perhaps. And then also there's this um, thing that I don't know how much you've explored, which is that we inherit health risks from our families and that they get passed down. So even if we live, even if I were to live a lifestyle that was not considered conducive to a particular disease, if my parents lived the lifestyle that really was conducive to that particular disease, like for example, drinking and smoking, I am still more likely to have those health issues than other people whose parents didn't do that. Well, then that's when I, well, in, in that case, if we take the drinking and smoking, my question becomes, why did they start drinking and smoking in the first place? Right. And it's probably, it goes back through the generations, like how they were raised, what was going on with their parents. And I feel like we have so much generational trauma given um, the history of this country and the, and the world for the past millennia hmm. or several thousand years of, of terrible trauma that, that has been passed down and we don't have that connection to healthy ancestors anymore. A lot of us who don't have an ancestral tradition like that. And, and there's so much trauma that's been passed down genetically that all of us are kind of, everyone born these days are, is kind of starting off with genetics, with DNA that's kind of like, you know, not really fully able to express in the fullest, most healthy way possible. And then on top of that, we have the diet that is available, the food that's available now is nutrient deficient and laced with chemicals, even if it's organic because the soils have been depleted and, and you know, unless we're really supplementing with enough herbs to get that kind of nutrients back into our diet or growing our own food and really tending to the soil um, and eating mostly that, you know, <laughs> then we're all coming up with a nutrient deficiency on top of all that. And then whatever genetic stuff we're passing down. So it's, so even if you started as soon as you were autonomous from your family to live the healthiest possible lifestyle, given all of that history and the current environment of toxic, I mean, the cleaning products and you know I mean it's just you know and then stuff in the air from you know I mean we're all wondering here in California how soon we're going to start to notice the effects of the nuclear stuff that went on in uh, in Japan a number of years ago and there have been you know theories about that so it's like there's so much environmental stuff going on and ancestral stuff and you know 
that even the healthiest lifestyle, that turns into a traumatizing thing of trying to accomplish the healthiest lifestyle. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's exactly what I was getting at as far as like what people want to deem as healthy. And the thing is, is everything that you were just describing, actually there's layers you could go deeper yeah. because you can, somebody like you might have an inkling you might have been told like these are things that had happened in your family and so yeah you might say yeah they have we have a history of high blood pressure in our family but then what caused that high blood pressure was it the stress of of like if you want to say it was well it was the stress of where they were living well what was going on with where they were living well, they ended up having to work like 60 to 80 hours a week in this type of environment. They felt like they had to survive all the time. Really? Okay. Well, then in other ways, what, what happened? Well, then they just kind of, we didn't, they weren't really home. Um, I ended up spending a lot of time like going over here to over there and with these people. Okay. And then, so now for you, in what ways is it that you feel like you have to also be working 60 to 80 hours a week? And that to you is what is you living. Yeah. Right. So it's not, this is where people get so tied up and hooked on a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You have to remove the attachment to a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. to really gain an understanding of what it is that you're being invited to shift mm -hmm. and like where where I can see ancestry is there and one could easily blame one could easily mm -hmm. um get angry well that's them and but, well this is the thing this now is your life and this is your journey right and it's honoring that it played a role. So I'm going to be grateful in that now I get the opportunity to take this and transmute it in, way, in ways that they did not see that could even be possible. Yes. We're the right? answer to their prayers. That's what I always say for my ancestral healing people is that we're the answers, answers to our ancestors' prayers. And when we find a, a way to heal these deeper energetics that you're talking about, that travels back through the generations and heals, helps heal the spirits of our ancestors that didn't get to heal it in their lifetime. And, and it, it travels and it forward, forward as well. Exactly. exactly. Definitely moves forward. We said exactly at the same time. <laughs> I got it too. <laughs> <laughs> we just went <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like I mean like with all of this I mean it's what we all this whole conversation right it's like it can be just as serious as you want it to be or you're actually about to turn your perspective and you're about to have fun with this and mm. you're about to really go in exploring and being curious as to why like wow like oh i'm about to grow from this and i'm about to become this like powerful being like i think about aladdin and like how genie comes out the old powerful being like, so it's just like such a great image especially for the womb stuff because i feel like our womb is this source of incredible power that we've not been taught how that that's true 
right? And we've been taught to sweep it under the rug, to ignore it, all these things. And as we start to listen, just listening and saying, oh, this heavy bleeding I'm having, maybe it's got something to teach me. That alone, that shift alone is huge. And then the womb says, oh, you're ready to listen? I'm going to teach you all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it's so yeah. empowering to, to receive that inner wisdom finally. And that's often what's been, uh, the, what our body has been starving for, the exact nourishment that we need is to listen to our own inner wisdom. And then we're less susceptible to being invalidated by external authorities because they're not listening to our wisdom. Well, we don't care because it feels so good to listen to our own inner wisdom. And now when I go to the doctor, I tell them exactly what's going on for me and what I'm doing about it and exactly what I want them to help me with. Mm -hmm. And my doctors have intelligent conversations with me and explain and answer all of my questions. And there's no, I have no fear that any doctor would ever try to invalidate me. And if they did, I would tell them that, that, that they were doing a disservice to me and the rest of their patients and that they needed to reconsider their approach to patients as partners in the healing process. And I would just say it just like that. Mm -hmm. And and that would be the end, probably, of our relationship. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, just like that's it. I'm not putting up with that. You know, and so I really encourage and I support my clients, as I'm sure you do with yours, to really uh, embody that empowerment and listening to our own inner wisdom and seeing any symptom we have, whether it's um, too much bleeding, right, or whether it's any other menstrual symptom or any symptom at all the high blood pressure you talked about whatever it is as a message from our body from our spirit right the, of of what we're here to learn and grow from yep and so that's that's the ultimate message of our of our talk today <laughs> denise which is beautiful um is there anything else any last uh, words of wisdom you want to share about that before we wrap up um the uh, I, I was the one thing that's just stuck out is like going back to and i feel like we, this will be a great wrap-up because to really help listeners to really assess what their goal is, right? Um, I don't, I've, I've been toying around personally with not really using goal because once again, it keeps implying that there's this finish line, mm. right? So even if you were to say, take your experience with complications of fibroids or even with heavy bleeding, even with endometriosis, right? It's actually, like I said, a really great first step is to separate from the name, from that diagnosis. And then asking what is that you can be learning from this experience. So if somebody, if you came across something on Dr. Google saying like, you know, like, well, stress can cause like worsening um, of symptoms and endometriosis, right? Ask yourself, in what ways is it that you could be potentially um, introducing more, like more than what it is that you can handle right now. 
And then what, in what ways is it that you are experiencing a life that your, your body is literally chronically having to be on alert? That means if you're chronically being on alert, then what is that really saying about what you have going on in your life? In what ways is it that you are not feeling safe? In what ways is it that you're not feeling protected? Right? And that's all, that's all lower energy center. And it's just showing up, right? It's just showing up systematically because it's just built up in your system for so long. Mm -hmm. And so when you are, uh, when you're considering like, what ways is it that I'd actually like to experience my life? You'd realize just from that example, actually, I would really like to be, you know, in a position where I do feel safe. Like I'm not going to have, like, I'm not going to lose my job or that I do feel safe with my partner. I do feel safe in my neighborhood. I, and I feel protected. Like I, I don't feel like I have to be on such an alert. So then that, when you come into that and you grow in that space, you begin to realize that these other, the symptoms start to dissipate. You may not have endometriosis go away quote unquote, which is why you don't want that goal. You don't want that intention because your experience in your life, right, would be so much better and you'd be happier, but you still might have endometriosis because an endometrioma might be there, but you're not actually experiencing these harsh symptoms. Mm So that's yeah. like, it's very, it's, it's very subtle, very different in a way of seeing it because like when you are constantly like, oh, I got to get rid of the endometriosis, what happens? That's when you start hearing from the women who've had four surgeries, five surgeries, six surgeries, and then because they didn't underlying deal with potentially what's actually rooted in this inflammatory process. And then it becomes another reason why you should be in a constant state of alert, which is the real reason you're having this, all these severe symptoms in the first place. Whereas yeah. what you're suggesting is, and I'm fully on board with this, is to first to, to take the time to really inquire like that. Unfortunately, when people, though, are in that state of feeling like they're constantly on, under, on alert and you know in fight and flight mode, it's very hard. It's very difficult to, to rest see outside of that. self-reflection enough because that's not what you're doing. When you're in fight and flight mode, you're fighting in your flight and you're running away, right? Or you're, or you're freezing or you're fawning. You're not doing self-reflection. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a lot of pra- practices that I teach that just help us to learn how, and I'm sure you do too, Qigong and the, and the yoga and the, the breathing practices and meditation, the part of the self-care Sunday, right? <laughs> Which could be a great doorway into just carving out a little bit of space to be able to have that, mo- those moments of self-reflection where you're not on higher alert for a minute. Whatever you need to do to let yourself feel safe enough you know, carve out that time, whether it's to go somewhere away from the home to take a yoga class or a Qigong class or to see a practitioner that helps you feel totally comfortable, a massage therapist or acupuncturist where you can just, your whole nervous system can relax for a minute. And that's where I often get, that's where I get my insights that then are these guiding lights in the, at the rest of the time, right? And asking those questions, why am I having this these symptoms that made up this diagnosis 
you know, but we can't get there until we drop out of that high alert stress yeah. mode at least a little bit. And then when we get a foothold in there, then we can say, you know, I want more of my life to be this way, not stress mode, but in real life. Like you have a little taste of, you have a little taste you have of to have a taste of and it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm itching for it more. So like, exactly. But see, if you need then, that step, that's mm -hmm. what we're here for. Exactly. If you feel like you cannot do it or that it's no way possible, that is your key sign that there's somebody that can help you see that it is possible. Yeah. And then that's where it is that we can come in to help you see where it is that it can happen. Yeah. And cause it can, it's just, yeah. you'd have to say, I'm wanting this. I'm desiring it. I am making the decision that this is how I'd like this to be. And I know right now I just need a little bit of assistance. And then there you go. that's what we're here for. There you go. And you realize it's a part of the process and we're just there for the journey and we're holding that space for you, for you to see that there is, there is another, there's another way of being. Right? Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's what we're here for. It is. You said it so clearly. Beautiful. So if anyone did want to reach out to you, and talk with you more about this and ask you about what's going on, get on your mailing list perhaps, where would they go to find you? Uh, to deniciahilton.com. So just deniciahilton.com. Yep. And that's spelled D-E apostrophe N-I-C-E-A, right? Yep. But so in the website though, that URL, you know what? I don't even know if they take apostrophes. So it's really just D-E-N-I-C-E-A, okay. then Hilton, H-I-L-T-O-N.com. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent. And uh, as if you've been listening to this podcast, as you know, if you would like to learn more about what's going on in the Womb-Centered Healing Temple, you're welcome to visit wombcenteredhealing.com. Uh, as you may know, there's a new blog there that's been going on for a number of weeks that you can subscribe to there. Um, and you just need to sign up for, for the membership. It's just a free membership that allows you to comment on the blog and, and, um, and subscribe and get notifications. So I invite you to do that. Um, and also subscribe to this podcast wherever you're at, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on Anchor or one of the other audio podcast formats. There should there ought to be a way to subscribe so that you'll get notified when there are new um, episodes. So thank you so much, Denicia, for joining us. And oh, I look forward, yeah, I would look forward to next time we get to talk. Yeah. All right, that's all for now, folks. Until next time. <laughs>